Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here we go. What's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kazin, and I'm coming to you on a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in McDonough, Georgia. And today, today I'm doing a little bit more storytelling, you know. Um, I'm still reminiscing. I'm still reflecting, still processing my time that I spent in Brazil for the past three months. Well, I've actually, I've been back in the U.S. for almost a month now, which is crazy to think about. But um, from August to, let's say, the end of October or November, I was in Brazil. So I'm still kind of reflecting on that time. And I thought it might be, or I hope it might be, um, entertaining or interesting, you know, to hear some stories from my time in Brazil. So that's what we're doing today. I'm just going to uh, shoot the shit and tell you a few stories. Hopefully you enjoy. All right. I got one, two, three, four, five, um, five stories and one reflection. Let's put it that way. All right. So I'm just going to get into it, man. I don't see any reason to waste any more time. Uh, so let's do it, man. When I was, I remember a lot of things about my trip, but like I said, I kind of wrote down, not wrote down, but I kind of picked five stories that kind of stick out uniquely or stick out in my mind that I'd like to share with you. And the first one was when I was in, it was the second month that I was in Sao Paulo. And um, I was in the, the neighborhood Ipiranga and I was renting a house through Airbnb. Like in the, the, it was two houses actually. There was a main house, which was in front where the owner stayed. And then there was a guest house, which was behind the main house and that's where I was staying that was the place I was renting and um it was it was like in the middle of the week like a Wednesday or a Thursday night or something like that maybe 10 o'clock it's dark outside just to give you an idea I'm trying to set the scene here for you and in English when we say set the scene it's like I'm trying to paint a picture for you I'm trying to describe the the story so well that you can basically imagine yourself there. That's what I mean by setting the scene. All right. So um, it's like 10 o'clock at night. It's dark outside. It's like a Thursday or something like that. And uh, me and my girl, we're at home 
just watching TV, watching Netflix or something like that, just chilling. Everything's good. And the owner had gone like across the city to go to some birthday party for his brother or something like that. But basically he wasn't home is what I'm trying to say. So it was just us two, me and my girl in the guest house behind the main house. Remember that. Okay. We're watching Netflix, just chilling. And we're in the living room. So from the living room, I can see the kitchen. Right. And in the kitchen, there's a window. So I'm sitting on the living room couch, just watching TV. And through the window in the kitchen, I see a light flash. And I, my first thought, because, you know, like if you're if you live on a street, a lot of times if a car drives by the 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 headlights will shine through your window sometimes. Right. And the headlights on a car are the the two lights. There's one on both sides, the left side and the right side of the car that help you see when you're driving at night. We call those headlights. So I thought it was just like some car's headlights. But then a few seconds went by and I kind of thought about it for a second. I'm like, hold up, time out. Wait a second. Um, I'm in the I'm in the guest house, which is behind the main house. There's no there's no car light flashing through back here. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way that the light can reach the house behind the house. You see what I'm saying? So that so I was like, nah, they they can't be a car. But you know how sometimes you see something isn't right, like you know something is wrong, but you kind of just like ah eh, whatever. Right. So in my head, I'm like, no, nah, that can't be a car. But I was just like, ah, eh, whatever, whatever. I don't know what it was, but I'm just going to let it go. And I swear to God, not even 10 seconds later. After seeing that flash of light and realizing that it could not have been a car. Just out of nowhere, you hear. Police. And I looked at my girl. I was like, the fuck was that? You hear it again. Police. And just in case you don't know, policia is police in Portuguese. So it was the police at our door. And I was like, did he just say police? Like, what the fuck is going on? And she was like, yeah, he said police. So I'm like, okay. I told her, I told my girl to go in the back room. And I was like, I'm going to answer the door. I'm going to open the door. So I opened the door. And the first thing I see is that same light. And it was actually a police officer holding a flashlight. So what I had saw initially, or at first, was the cop shining the light through the kitchen window, which was obviously strange. So I open the door, and I see the light flashing, and then I see a police officer. He's got a flashlight in one hand, and he's got uh, a gun in the other hand. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, bro? And he said, um, are you alone? Are you here alone? I was like, now there's a girl in the back room. I'm not here alone. And he said, well, what are you doing here? I was like, um, I'm renting this house. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly what he said after that. But basically, I was basically just trying to tell him, like, I'm renting this place. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So how can I help you, sir? And um, I told him, you can come in. Because it was almost like, like I said, he had a flashlight in his hand that he was shining at me. And a pistol, a loaded gun in his other hand. So I'm thinking, um, clearly this guy thinks I'm doing something wrong and he's ready to kill at any moment. So I'm like, fuck. But I told him, I was like, you can come in the house because clearly it seems like you want to search the place. And he said, no, 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 I'm not coming in. I'm not coming in. And I said, okay. 
So, and he said, well, I'm going to search the rest of the property because like I said, there was a main house and then behind the main house was the guest house where I was staying. But in between the two houses was like a little courtyard, you know? Um, so that's where he was standing and he searched, he walked around the entire house with his flashlight looking for something. I don't, I didn't know what at the time. And then he came back and said, can you come with me to the front? Can you come with me out front? And at this point, I'm like, I still don't know what the hell is going on, but a man with a gun says, follow me. I guess I got to follow the man with the gun, right? So I was like, okay. And we're walking to the front of the house at this point. And I don't know if it's like just because I'm from the United States and because of all the stereotypes that we have for police officers and stuff like that. But me being a black man, a young black man, um, alone with another police officer with a loaded gun in his hand i was just i was like fuck because he was walking behind me where like i said he said can you follow me to the front but he was walking behind me to the front of the house so i'm just walking and there's this dude with a pistol in his hand walking behind me and the only thing i could think about at the time was like shit i'm he's, i'm about to get shot like this is <laughs> this is my day beam me up scotty this is you know i thought this was the moment where i'd probably die but um we walked to the front of the house and his partner's out there searching the main house, I guess, or walking around the main house. And I explained the situation to him as well. I told him the owner is not here. I'm renting the house in the back. What seems to be the problem, officer? And um, if you've never been to Brazil, it's very common for houses to have like a big metal gate in front of them. Right. So you don't just walk up to the house. You have to enter through a gate first and then you walk to the house. So what had happened was... Um, the big gate that opens and closes to let cars in didn't close all the way. So the owner had left the house, but he didn't realize that the gate didn't shut completely. Right. So there was like this little it was a pretty big opening in the gate, big enough for a person to enter. You see what I'm saying? So what had happened was he left the gate slightly open and his neighbor saw it and she got nervous and thought that somebody had broken into the house and was either stealing something or doing something wrong. So she called the police. And that's when they showed up and they see, okay, nobody's in this main house, but the light is on in the guest house. And that's where they found me and thought I was the one that broke into the house and, you know, and uh, was doing whatever. So, yeah, man, it was it was it was such a strange experience. And when I tell that story to people, they were like, man, weren't you scared? Weren't you nervous? And Honestly, I really wasn't, bro. I really wasn't like scared or nervous. I was just confused. You know what I mean? Because imagine, bro, it's Thursday night. What the hell happens on a Thursday night? You just chilling. You at the house. You with your girl. You watching TV or whatever. And you, you know, out of nowhere. Policia! Like, what the fuck? What the hell is going on here? This guy's got a gun. As if, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you don't, you don't expect something like that on a Thursday night, right? So anyway, um, needless to say, I did not get shot. Needless to say, I did not go to jail. Everything was good. Um, but it was, like I said, just a strange experience, man. And it made me think like, about all my friends who are learning English, all my students who are learning English, and what they would have done or what that experience would have been like for them if they were here in the United States. And they got, you know... The police started, how can I say that? The police came knocking on their door. The police stopped him in the street. 
You know what I'm saying? Or even just another foreigner in Brazil who didn't speak Portuguese. Because I speak Portuguese. You see what I'm saying? I understand it. So I was able to communicate with the officer. But just imagine, bro, if you, you're in a foreign country and you can barely speak the language and, like, you get stopped by the police or they show up at your, your front door asking you what the fuck you're doing in your house that you pay for. Uh, yeah. And it's not only that, but if you don't know how to stay calm in a situation like that, you get all nervous, you start panicking and shit, you know, you start making sudden quick movements, then you make the police officer nervous and then it just, you know, it escalates from there. I was like, fuck, bro. Anyway, that's, uh, (laughs) that was my story from Ipiranga, Brazil. What a good experience that was, you know, I don't remember when exactly during the second month that happened but um it definitely made my thursday night more interesting that's for sure um another event or another happening and that's not even a thing you can't say that another happening nobody says that don't don't say that all right another happening another event that happened while I was in the same neighborhood in the same house in Ipiranga was, uh, this is story number two, by the way, story number one is over. We're on to story number two, just so you, you know, just so you're not lost. Um, I was in the same house and there were times when people would arrive, you know, like let's say you order food, for example, with Uber Eats or Happy or something like that. One of these services where you order food on your phone and they deliver it to you. When they arrive at your house, obviously they ring the doorbell. And just in case you don't know what that is, um, when you arrive to a, somebody's house, there's a button that you press or something like that and goes ding dong. Or maybe it makes a buzzing sound like eh, something like that to let the person know you're waiting outside and you want them to open the door. That's a doorbell. So it was normal. Like when you during the day, you might hear the doorbell because maybe the owner's um ordered some food or maybe somebody was dropping off a package it was normal but one day it was maybe like 10 o'clock maybe nine o'clock i think it was nine o'clock in the morning and i'm at home i'm working on something on my computer and i hear the doorbell ring okay so i get up i walk to the front of the house and i see this man standing there who basically he had his entire life on his back and what i mean by that i mean he looked he appeared to be a homeless person he had like this giant backpack and a bunch of like towels and clothes on his back and stuff like that and he was just standing there looking at me like with an angry face that was the first thing I thought I was like this man is angry about something I don't know what but um before I could even open my mouth and say like good morning you know how can I help you what do you need uh he just looked at me and said do you have any money I mean, it's not exactly what he said. And I guess translating word for word, he said, do you have any coins? Like, do you have any change? You see what I'm saying? But that's basically what he said. Do you have any money? I mean, he didn't say good morning. He didn't say sorry to bother you. He didn't say what's up. He just straight up, was, you, you got any money? And it kind of, I wasn't expecting it. So it kind of caught me off guard. You know what I'm saying? And to catch someone off guard, in English, basically what that means is to do something or say something to someone and they're not expecting it, right? Their guard isn't up. You you catch someone or you get someone with their guard down. You catch them unprepared. 
All right. So he caught me off guard when he said that I wasn't ready. I wasn't expecting for him to be like, hey, you got some money. Right. But um, it took me a few seconds to process what had just happened, like to understand what he said and then to really understand what was happening in that moment. So after a few seconds, it kind of processed in my brain. I was like, no, I don't no, I don't have any money. Right. Because I like I said, I understood at that point he was homeless, just asking people for money. And I was like, no, I don't. I don't have any money for you. And uh, he just kind of looked at me with this, like this disgusted face and just walked away. That was it. That was the end of the interaction. That was it. And I was, it kind of, it kind of pissed me off at first. You know what I'm saying? Just because um, I don't know if it's because of where I'm from or if it's just me personally, but to me, like manners, good manners, and courtesy and stuff like that is really important you know saying hello good morning goodbye please thank you i appreciate it showing gratification you know showing respect and stuff like that is really important so when he somebody knocks on your door or rings your doorbell at nine o'clock in the morning they don't even say hello sorry to bother you just hey give me some money i'm like what who the fuck are you bro you know what i'm saying i'm like who the fuck what are you doing what are you doing just knocking on people's doors asking for money at nine o'clock who the fuck are you you know so it pissed me off at first it made me mad when i was walking back to the house i was like what the fuck was that you know what i mean but after you know after a few minutes i just let it go and um i would say a couple weeks after that i was in the main house with the owner we were i think just watching tv having a drink or something like that and the same guy shows up at the front gate and he rings the doorbell and as soon as i see him i'm like oh this fucking guy i'm already irritated but the owner he got up and he was like oh i gotta give this guy some money and i was like bro are you serious you're gonna give this guy some fucking money he was like yeah man yeah you know because uh whenever he always comes to this neighborhood asking for money and he never looks drunk he never looks like he's on drugs i just think he's a little crazy and he just needs some help I was like, okay, man, that's cool, you know, and uh, he he got up and he, he grabbed a $2 bill, $2, and he walked up to the gate, no, let me back up, let me back up, so the, the, the guy rings the doorbell, and that's, as always, he, the first thing he says is, do you have any money, and that's when the owner, he got up and said, I'm going to give him some money, so he pulled out a $2 bill, he walked up to the gate, and handed it to him, and I swear to God, this is exactly what happened, he he walks up to the gate, and the guy already has that same angry, like, disgusted look on his face, and he walks up to the gate, he hands him the $2 bill, I swear to God, this is what happened, he hands him the bill, the guy, the guy takes the bill through the gate, and he's holding it in his hand, and he looks at the $2 bill, the homeless guy, he has a $2 bill in his hand, and he's looking at it, as if it's like a piece of shit, like a piece of dog shit or something. He just looks so disgusted and disappointed with this $2 bill as if he was thinking like, this is all you got, like two fucking dollars. Are you serious? And he just walked away. He just walked away. He didn't say shit, nothing, not a word. So let me let me do that again, just to make sure you understand what I'm trying to say. My friend walks up to the gate, hands the man the $2 bill. The man takes the $2 bill, looks at it as if it's literal, like actual shit. He's disgusted with this $2 bill. 
and he just walks away. I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> the fuck was that, man? And uh, my friend, he's walking back to the house, and I was like, bro, he didn't he didn't say anything? He didn't say thank you or nothing like that? No, no. And I was like, man, fuck that guy, bro. Fuck him. And I don't know. It's funny, like, the contrast in opinions or perspectives that me and my friend had. Because me, like I said, I'm like, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. But my friend, he was basically like, uh, he was much more sympathetic and understanding. Like, ah, oh, man, he's, maybe he's just a little crazy. He just needs some help. You know, um, just be sympathetic, right? Just just help the guy out. It's no big deal. I was like, fuck that, man. Fuck that and fuck him and his $2. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> fuck him and his $2, goddamn. Fuck him! <sighs> anyway, uh, that's story number two, just in case you were wondering. Uh, so let's move on to number three. And number three really isn't like a story. It's more kind of like a... Um, I don't know what it is, but it's not a story. So... Um, when I'm not teaching English classes or doing the podcast or anything related to language in my free time, I really enjoy practicing photography, particularly portrait photography. You know, um, I'm interested in people and people's faces and physical features and stuff like that. So I like to take pictures of people. Right. And um, as somebody who's really interested in people's physical features, you know, like the color of their skin, um, the way their hair grows, the direction in which their hair grows, the color of their eyes, the shape of their eyes, like their bone structure, their height, you know what I mean? The way, it just all the little details that make our physical appearance. It fascinates me. And Brazil, I think, is a, a portrait photographer's dream because I may be wrong, but I can't think of another country in the world that is like brazil when it comes to the diversity of the people that you see like in the united states for example we have people from all over the world i mean literally all over the world but the difference between the united states and brazil in that respect i think is that in the united states people come from all over the world but they don't mix together you see what i'm saying i'm not i'm not saying that it's it almost never happens you know, like for uh, an Asian man to have a baby with an African woman or uh, a European man to have, you know, you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying it never happens, but due to our, our history for a long time, we were like legally separated. It was illegal for a black person to have a baby with a white person. But in Brazil, after slavery was ended, there was no segregation. You see what I'm saying? And there were people from the indigenous people from brazil that were already there then you have portuguese people spanish people then asians started to come the african slaves were there and all of that got mixed together over the years you know everyone having babies with everyone not just white people with white people blacks with blacks and etc you see what i'm saying so for that reason you find such a strong and and deep diversity in the physical features of the people you see what I'm saying? From the whitest white to the blackest black and everything in between. You find it in Brazil. Every physical feature that I can think of, somebody has it in Brazil. Every skin color, every tone of skin color. You see what I'm saying? Every height, every weight, 
every you see what i'm saying there's everything in brazil just all, all of it just mixed together in this really unique and beautiful way and i wanted to capture that um with my camera through a series of portraits you know that was my idea that was a project i wanted to do and i still want to do it i still plan to but um yeah like i said i wanted to capture that through a series of portraits so i started to work on the project but the problem is i there's a few problems one is that i don't have a studio in brazil photography studio the second one is even if i did even if i did have a studio how am i going to get you know a bunch of strangers to come to my studio to be photographed it's just not realistic in terms of time you know and also convincing people to take their time and give it to me by coming to you know what i'm saying it just it wouldn't make sense so what did i have to do i had to do street portraits which is literally portraits in the street so what i would do is i would wake up in the morning i would get my camera and i would just walk to the street i walked to a busy street where i know people are going to be and it was really uh it was really like nerve-wracking at first and what that means nerve-wracking is kind of it makes you nervous or something that makes you anxious is nerve-wracking you know it uh yeah it just makes you nervous that's really what it means because for a long time I'm somebody that that doesn't do great in social situations I'm not I don't consider myself to be very good at approaching strangers asking them for things or or uh, approaching strangers trying to forge a relationship I've never really been good at that. It makes me nervous. It makes me anxious. You know what I'm saying? So for me to have to do this in another language, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't speaking English to these people. I was speaking Portuguese to these people. And uh, even though I speak Portuguese quite well, it just, just the confidence wasn't there, you know, because you got to stop a random person on the street and not ask them for directions or something like that. That's fine. You know, it's no big deal be like hey you know i think you're beautiful can i take your picture and i guess it made me nervous not because of what i was doing like what i was doing was wrong or something like that it just you feel like a weirdo because it's not a normal thing to walk up to a stranger on the street and be like hey man can i take your picture please because like people automatically i think a lot of people kind of they kind of they don't trust you they're like what the fuck what why do you want to take my picture what are you going to do with my picture you know what i'm saying a lot of people kind of think about those things when you ask them so what i would do is i would approach these people and um i would say hey you know sorry to bother you i'm a photographer from the united states and i'm here working on this portrait project just trying to document the diversity of people here in brazil would you mind if i made a portrait of you and the first two or three days out of every 10 people that I asked, nine of them said no. Just no. Like, fuck you. Go. I mean, nobody nobody was mean. Nobody was, like, rude or anything like that. They just said, no, you, you can't take my picture, you know. And for somebody who was already low on confidence, somebody who was already nervous just thinking about doing the shit, you know, that messes with your confidence even more. It's like you you put yourself out there. You take that risk to go and approach these people and then they all say no you're just like fuck man you know what i mean and it's like when you're when you're nervous and you try to approach someone the the fact that you're nervous shows in your behavior you know what i mean because it's almost like you have trouble controlling it 
your voice shakes you know what i mean you don't speak as loudly you you show uh what's the word insecure body language and stuff like that it shows people can feel you at least i can i can feel when someone is nervous you see what i'm saying so i think me being nervous and not confident or being insecure kind of made the other person even more insecure they're like what the fuck is wrong what's up with this guy you know just it causes them to trust me even less and um I wanted to quit. There was many times when I just was like, fuck the project, fuck photography, fuck all this shit, man. It's just, oh, fuck it. It was a bad idea. You know, it's never going to work. But then uh, I started doing research, not about photography per se, but about approaching people, better ways to do it. And also, I started doing research about the fear of rejection because that's really what was making me nervous. That's really why I wasn't performing very well was because I was so afraid that the person was going to think I was a weirdo or they were going to reject me and tell me no. So it made me not even want to try, you know. But I was like, fuck that, man. I can't I can't let this fear of rejection, this insecurity um, control me or my life. You know, I have to overcome this. So I started doing research, like what, te- what techniques can I use? What practices can I use to overcome this irrational fear of being rejected or ridiculed in the street? You know what I mean? Because when you're in the street, everybody can see you. Everybody just saw you get rejected by this person in your mind at least that's what i was thinking in my mind but what you realize is most people really aren't even paying attention to you they're just trying to get to where they're going they don't give a fuck about you you know what i mean and even if they do who cares right but it took me a while to learn that and uh when in my research or during my research about the fear of rejection one thing that um is obvious now but one thing that i learned then is it's just like every other skill every other social skill that you want to develop you just have to try and fail and try and fail and experiment and during the experimentation process you learn what works and what doesn't work what you should do what you should not do and um so i was just like fuck it i'm just gonna keep trying every single day until things start to go my way or until things start to go right you know until they start to work the way i want them to so um i was sitting at home one day and i was thinking like what am I doing that's causing so many people to say no because I can understand you know out of every 10 people four say no five say no it's normal some people just don't trust you some people are insecure about their physical appearance you know some people just don't have the time so you're gonna hear no at some point but at like 90 percent 95 percent like something's wrong I'm doing something wrong you know so I was sitting at home thinking what could I do differently when approaching these people you know, because getting over the fear of rejection, the only way that you can do that is by getting rejected more. Because the more you get rejected, you start to become numb to the feeling. You know, in this case, you don't understand the word numb. N-U-M-B. And the B is silent. Numb. It means um, you can't feel something. You know, so if my hand is numb, it means if you touch my hand or you hit my hand or something like that, I'm not going to feel it. There's no feeling, there's no physical feeling in my hand, right? So you start to become numb to rejection. You see what I'm saying? I, and I've talked about, that's that's why I did that podcast. I'm sure I talked about this in the fear of rejection episode. So sorry if I'm repeating everything I've already said. But I already knew that coming overcoming the fear of rejection was just a matter of practice and time. But getting better at approaching people and convincing them to do what I want them to do is another skill entirely, 
So I was like, how can I get better at approaching people and getting them to do what I want them to do? And I was thinking about the way I was approaching these people, everything I was saying. And um, I realized I was taking way too long to tell the person what I wanted. I would say, hey, I'm this photographer from the United States and I'm here traveling in Brazil and I'm working on this project trying to document diversity and da da da. And hey, can I take your picture? And by that time, like after I realized that, I also realized that by that time, people were already kind of like annoyed with me. Like, bro, just get to the fucking point. You know, like, because a lot of times I would start, like I said, I would go to a busy place where there's lots of people. So I have many options, right? Many people, especially in a big mega city like Sao Paulo, many people are in a hurry. They're in a rush. You know, they got to go here. They got to go there. They don't have time for you. Maybe if you stop and ask for some help, like directions or something like that. Cool. But to stop them in the street, you know, for more than that, they already assume that you're trying to sell them something. You want them to sign for some document, some fucking petition for your cause or whatever. So they already think, oh, this person really just wants something from me. They want my money. They want to exploit me in some way. So that's how a lot of people were thinking when I stopped them in the streets. And when you take so long just to tell them what you want, not just to ask them for something, but when you take a long time just to tell them what it is you want, I feel like people were getting really irritated. You know, they were really impatient. So after I realized that the next day I went out and I just started going straight to the point. Because before I felt like I had to explain what I was doing so it would seem less weird. But at the end of the day, I realized a lot of people respond very positively when you're direct with them. You know, you don't have to. I'm not saying like overly aggressive or rude or anything like that. Just direct. Just get to the point. What do you want? You know what I mean? Because maybe I'll give it to you, but you got to tell me what it is. And I'm not going to wait all day for you to tell me, you know. So I just started going straight to the point. I would say, I'm sorry to bother you. I know this is going to sound strange, but can I take your picture? It's five seconds. You know what I'm saying? A five second intro and and uh, request. You know, and what I realized or what I the, the result of that was like my success rate started to increase dramatically. You know, so like out of every 10 people, nine of them would say yes. Not no. You see, and I think it was for two reasons. One, I got straight to the point. You know, I immediately told them what I wanted. But also I used a key phrase, which is I know this is going to sound strange. Now, why is that a key phrase? Because when you approach somebody and you have a strange request, which it is, I mean, if you think about it, it is kind of strange, because like I said, it's not normal to be asking people for their picture in the street. It's a little strange. So when you have a strange request like that, if you before you ask, if you tell them this is going to sound strange mentally in their minds, they're already starting to imagine or prepare themselves for something extremely strange. They're already preparing themselves mentally. They're imagining what the hell could it be because he said it's going to be strange. So what what the they get curious and they prepare themselves for something strange. And then when I say, can I take your picture? It's normally a lot less strange than whatever it is that they were imagining in their head. You know what I'm saying? They're thinking like I'm going to ask them for a naked photo or some money or some shit like that. Or I don't know, the lipstick in their purse, some crazy shit. And it's like, oh, you just want to take a picture? Oh, okay. It's not that bad. 
right? So you set the expectation very, very, very high for something crazy. And then you come in with, you know, something not so crazy. And it kind of, like I said, it's a, it's a mental thing. It's a mental thing. I really think that it opens people up a lot more to something like that. You know, I just want to take your picture. And a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, sure. You can take my picture. No problem. Right. And then other people like they would hesitate. I say, can I take your picture? They would kind of look at me and hesitate. So that is when I would take more time to explain everything I was doing. Instead of trying to explain everything in the beginning, take all their time and then ask. I would just ask. And if it seemed like they were hesitating or they were kind of worried about what I was doing it for, then I would say, I'm this photographer. I want to work on this project. And then I would actually take my phone out and show them some examples of photos I've taken in the past, which is just building more trust. You see what I'm saying? They see I'm legitimate. They see I'm not some fucking weirdo just trying to, you know, take advantage of them or something like that. So it went a lot better, you know, and uh, I learned a lot from that experience, man, like. My confidence increased. I was a lot less afraid of approaching strangers in the street for this project or for any reason, honestly. You know, and you become a better communicator because you're constantly talking to a new person time after time after time. And you start to perfect or at least improve your communication skills. You know what I mean? So uh, it was really good. And obviously, hopefully, the more pictures you take, the better pictures you take. Right. So. Hopefully I can go back to Brazil next year. I'm not 100% sure if I will be able to, but if I do, then obviously I'll continue to work on the project much more intensely as well. Cause I only worked on it for maybe two or three weeks and I kind of, um, I kind of just stopped. I really don't even remember why I think I just wasn't feeling good, you know, and, and I didn't want to take pictures if I wasn't feeling good. And then I just never started again. Cause when it's like, Almost any other skill, if you don't do it for a while, then you start to lose your skills and you lose your confidence. And at that point, I was just like, "Ah, fuck it. But I do, man. I really want to get back to working on that project because I think once it's finished, I would like to put it into a book uh, in book form. So you can have a book full of portraits and just see the same beauty that I see in the diversity of these people. You know what I mean? That was my vision. And also maybe have prints that you can have in an art gallery or something like that for people to go and see or even buy the prints and put them on their wall or something like that. I don't know. But um, I really, really want to get back to working on that project. You know, um, I think I took a lot longer for that one than I expected. But uh, that was number three. So let's get on to number four, man. This is a good one. I like this story. So. I spent my first two out of three months in Sao Paulo during this trip. And then the third month, I went to Salvador, which is another city in the northeast of Brazil. And on the first night, bro, the first night I get there at like, I don't know, five o'clock in the afternoon. There was so much traffic. I didn't get to my Airbnb until like 730 or something like that. Maybe I got there at six. I know it took us like an hour and a half to get to where I was staying. So maybe I got there around six. I don't know. But um, yeah, I get there to the house. I have just enough time to go get some dinner and then I have classes all evening. Right. But I'm staying in an Airbnb. I'm just renting a room this time. I'm not renting the entire apartment. So I have one room and there's maybe three or four other people staying in three or four other rooms. And when I was given my classes, they were all outside on the balcony like just smoking and drinking, talking, having a good time. So when I finished all my classes for the night, 
I said, okay, I'm going to go be social, try to get to know these people, hang out, you know what I'm saying, make some friends. So I go out to the balcony, and um, it's it was like one guy and like three girls. The guy went home, so it was two girls sitting on one couch, and then me and another girl, we were just sitting there talking, right? So basically, I'm talking to one person at this point, and we're just chilling. We're just getting to know each other, like small talk, like, oh, what are you interested in? What do you do for a living? Where are you from? Why are you in Brazil? It was just basic conversation, you know? And uh, it got to be like maybe 1 in the morning, one thirty in the morning, something like that. And the girl I was talking to, she was going home. I guess everybody was kind of going to go to sleep for the night. It was getting late. And I wanted a cigarette. I just, because we were out there smoking at the time, and then we didn't have any more cigarettes. But once, you, once I start smoking, I kind of just, you just crave more. You just want more, right? So I was like damn, I want some cigarettes right now, because we couldn't, we didn't have any weed, so I was just like, man, I want a cigarette, do you, do you know if there are any places open at this time of night that sell cigarettes, and um, she said, most places are closed, but um, there might be one place near my house that's open, and they sell cigarettes, I'm going home now, so you can just follow me to this place and see if they're open, so I said, okay, cool, so remember, it's one o'clock in the morning and almost everyone or almost everything is closed and almost everyone is in their house. OK, so we're walking down the street and it's not it's really not very far. The place that we were going to. I didn't know that at the time, but it, it really wasn't very far. So we're walking down the street just talking and um, I'm not paying attention to really I'm not really paying attention to where I'm going or where I'm coming from is what I should say. So. We arrive at the little bar that apparently sells cigarettes, which is right across the street from her house, and the bar was closed. So I'm like, shit, no cigarettes tonight. I'm just going home then. So as I'm about to go home, she asks me, you remember how to get back to your house, right? And it was in that moment that I realized I fucked up. Because <laughs> like I said, I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. And I was like, shit, no, I don't. I don't remember how to get back home. And she was like, okay, it's really simple. This is all you need to do. Turn around and follow this street until you get to the house. Just keep going straight. And I was like, dude, there's no there's no way. We we made curves and turns and shit. She was like, no, no, just follow this street and you'll you'll arrive at the house. Don't turn left, don't turn right, just go straight. I'm like, okay, bro, whatever you say, you live here. So I'm gonna, you know, and I have no other option. And I forgot to tell you. Before we left my house, the Airbnb, um, the, the other two girls that were staying there, one of them asked me, are you going to take your cell phone? And I said, um, yeah, why? She said, no, nah, that's probably not a good idea. You should leave your phone and your wallet here in the house because this really isn't a good time to be in the street. You know, at this time of night, it's not a good idea to be you just walking the streets with valuable things in your pockets, right? You might get robbed or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm not from here. It's my first day here. I'm going to trust you because you live here. You're from this country. You understand how these things work. So I left my phone and I left my wallet. What that means is moving back, you know, to the point in the story where the, the bar is closed and now I'm trying to get home. What that means is I have no GPS. I can't use Google Maps. I can't use Waze. I can't use anything. I'm just fucking, I'm lost. You know, so I just have to listen to this girl's instruction and walk straight. Right. So I'm like, fuck. So I'm walking. I'm walking down the street 
and I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm walking and it seems like it's taking forever. I'm like, bro, we did not walk this far. We didn't walk for this long. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, I feel like I'm lost. Right. So I'm already paranoid because she's already put the the other girl from my house. She's already put the idea in my head. Hey, you might get robbed leaving the house at this time of night. So I'm already paranoid and I'm lost by myself in this foreign fucking city. It's my first night. I don't know where the fuck I am. Right. So I go back to the bar where I started and I try to start over. Still lost. But as I'm walking, I see a hostel. I'm walking down the street and on my right, I see a hostel and I'm like, yeah hostel they they're used to receiving foreigners you know it should be some helpful people here it should be some good people hostels are generally good places to be right i walk up to the hostel i knock on the door i'm like excuse me hello anybody there and um there was this guy standing upstairs but i could see him and he could see me and he said come come in open the door so i'm pulling on the door and it's locked i'm like no nah, it's, it's not opening it's not opening And then another guy comes from around the corner and he walks up to the door. He's standing right in front of me. And I could see in his face, he already kind of looked irritated. And I'm like, okay, this should should be good. This should be fun. And um, I said, I'm sorry to bother you, man. Can you just tell me where this street is? I'm just trying to get home. And he looked at me kind of, he kind of turned his head to the side looking at me. You know, it was obvious to me that he didn't trust me for some reason. And um, he was like, no, man, I'm not going to do that. And let me give you a piece of advice. Don't don't be don't knock on people's doors at one thirty in the morning, man. And I was like, what the fuck? What are you like, bro? I just need to know how to get home. I'm lost. Can you help me out? And um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was more or less something like, oh, you, you, you know, you think I'm stupid. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? So I, I guess in now looking back on the situation, I guess what he believed or what he thought was that I was trying to get him to open the door so that I could take advantage of him, like rob him or do something stupid. Apparently, that's really common in Salvador or in Brazil in general, but definitely in Salvador. If you're in the streets at 1.30 in the morning, it's probably not because you want to do something good, right? So he thought that I was like, trying to do something to him or the people in the hostel so he he wouldn't open the door and i didn't even want him to i told him that i was like bro you don't even have to open the door just tell me how to get to the street that's all i'm asking i don't see what the problem is and um oh, what's up man what Yeah, I was just saying, what's up? Anyway, mom just got home. But um, where was I at in the story? Um, Oh, yeah, I told him, like, bro, you don't even have to open the door. Just tell me how to get to the street. And uh, he was was just kind of, like, getting more and more irritated with me. And he just walked away from the door, just kind of left me standing there. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? What just happened? So I'm like, you know, hey, I just kind of yelled into the building. Hey, I'm sorry to bother you. Have a good night. So at this point, I'm still lost. And it's been like at least 15 minutes. I'm just walking in circles in this foreign city. So I walk back to the bar where I started. And this time, as I'm walking back, there's a guy on a bike and he's riding towards me and he stops right in front of me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask this guy. So I ask him, hey, can you tell me how to get to this place? 
I'm a little lost. I'm just trying to get home. And he said the same thing that the girl told me. Follow this street. Don't turn left. Don't turn right. You'll get there. I'm like, bro, I just tried that twice. Okay. He's like, listen to me. Follow the street. Don't turn. Just go straight. I'm like, all right, bro, whatever you say. So this time I keep walking, but I pass the hostel. I walk even farther. And it's crazy because the hostel that I stopped at where that angel was so nice to help me, it was literally 10 seconds from the place I was trying to get. I just had to keep walking a little bit further and curve to the left. And my house was right there. So finally, after like 30 minutes, I arrive at my place safe and sound. And in case you don't know what that means, somebody asked me this the other day. Safe and sound is an expression in English that just means um, unharmed, not injured, not um, troubled, anything like that. You get home safe and sound. It just means you get home safe, right? Undamaged is basically basically what that means, okay? Uh, let me look at my list here. What was story number four? Ah, number five is... Interesting one as well. So in the same city, I'm, I'm still in Salvador, and um, me and the people I was staying with at my Airbnb, we go to the beach, right? Had a good day, you know, beautiful beaches in Salvador, you know, nice, beautiful day, no clouds in the sky, you know, 30 degrees, take a dip in the ocean, everything was great, right? So, But now it's time to go home. So we're leaving the beach, and most of the time when you're leaving a beach, you can you leave the physical beach and then you walk to the street, right? So we were calling an Uber. So we were waiting on the sidewalk, just waiting for our Uber to arrive. And it was at this time, we're all just standing there talking to each other, making conversation. And for some reason, I just felt like I needed to turn around. So I turned around to look to see what was going on behind me. And um, there was this woman and her daughter. And I was kind of like just naturally i can they were so close i could hear them talking to each other you know and um she was saying something like oh my bad she was saying um she was asking her daughter oh, i can tell you this story see what you think mom so we were me and my friends we were um leaving the beach in salvador and uh we called the uber we were just waiting for them to arrive so we're sitting there talking to each other and I turned around just because there's a lot of people out there. I turned around and I see this woman and her daughter standing there talking to each other. But they were so close. I could hear everything they were saying. And she said something like, uh, where are you going to pee? And in my mind, I was like, where are you going to pee? I was making sure I understood the words correctly. I was like, oh, they're looking for a bathroom. OK, whatever. And not even three seconds later, the little girl pulls down her panties, squats on the floor and starts peeing on the sidewalk. And I'm and I was confused at first. I was like, what the what what's going on here? So she pulled down her panties, and started pissing on the sidewalk. And her mom was like, oh. So like picture that she said, where are you going to pee? She pulled she squatted down and pissed on. She was like, oh, OK. Like, oh, right there. OK. Problem solved. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like. So I look around. I'm like, is anybody else seeing this? Am I the only one? Nobody was paying attention. I mean, people were like were walking past. But nobody was like, eh, whatever. No big deal. I guess, that's a thing. I guess just animals, bro. Like, just no regard for public decency or nothing like that. Just pissing on the sidewalk. A little girl. I could understand, like, a little boy goes in the corner, pisses on a tree or something like that. Whatever. But this little girl. 
and squat down on the floor and just piss on the sidewalk. I was like, dude, what the hell is going on here? And it was weird. I kind of, it's like, in that moment, I felt the need. I was like, I should have said something to her. Like, bro, are you serious? You're just going to let your daughter just piss on the sidewalk? But I guess I didn't have the heart. I didn't have the courage to say anything. I just turned around and was like, damn, bro, just shaking my head. And we got, seconds later, the Uber arrived and we just went home. But I thought about that for the rest of the day. Just pulled her pants down and pissed on the sidewalk like a dog. Like a dog. I'll probably never forget that, man. It was crazy. So weird. I literally just couldn't comprehend it. I was like, what is that? I've never seen something like that before. So, anyway. Yes, that's very nasty. Very, very nasty. And that's uh, clearly that probably wasn't the first time she did it either. Because, I mean, she didn't even think about it. She just squatted down, pissed on the sidewalk. So, anyway. Um, yeah, man, I see we're at 51 minutes. I think I'm going to cut it here, bro. That was five stories, right? I'll save the reflections for another episode. I think that's good. We're going to cut it right here. So, hopefully, you found um, the stories entertaining, interesting. Um... Especially the last one, bro. That shit was just nasty. Just nasty. But I guess we're going to get out of here, man. So that was another episode of Life in English. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen. And I'll talk to you later. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.